Let's take our Bibles tonight. Let's go to Psalm 127. Great to see your faithfulness in coming out. And I know I told your pastor that in a conference like this, you get everything except sleep. And, uh, and yet it's a good weariness. And you find out the Lord ministers to you even in the tired moments. Does everybody have their booklet? Do we have anybody here tonight that didn't get a booklet? I thought so. Hold on. I brought two masters just in case. All right. I like how they do that. So I wanted to ask that. Make sure you get one. Here you go. We have two. Oh. We're, yeah. She yes. She has one. She has one. When you were saying the church the other night, she was Psalm 127. Let your men seated. Psalm 127. I want to just read one verse and then get right into the thought tonight. Psalm 127, the Bible says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I'd like to conclude with the Lord's help. A little thought we've been tapping the last few nights I entitled God's Blueprint for a Happy Home. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight again. For this gathering, these dear folk, the families represented here. And Lord, I pray tonight again, take your word, press it in our hearts. Do a work in each and every one of us. Help our homes today. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go to Ephesians 5. We've been looking at four commands this week. And obviously they're important to God because he has those commands duplicated in Colossians 3 as well. But in Ephesians 5, he turns to each individual, he gives them a primary command, a primary assignment for the recipe for a happy home. He turns to the wife in Ephesians 5 and verse 22, and he gives her assignment. He says, wives, submit. Then in verse 25 of Ephesians 5, we saw him turn to the husbands, and he said, husbands, love. Then last night we saw him turn to the children. And he gave them this command, children, obey. I want to just pause there and just add this. I've had people say to me, well, it's not that big a deal that children obey or not. Let me just tell you something as a pastor in the past. I have watched teenagers play mom and dad against each other and practically bring that family to divorce. So young people, you have a say about the atmosphere of your home. Amen? In your important call in this world. Notice here he goes on. He gives a second, a final command to children. Let's just read all of this together. Verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Then he comes full circle back to leadership, and he says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but notice instead, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Here we see the fourth and final command, and I need to preface it by saying this. Last night, that message focused on God's expectation of obedience. We looked at obedience and what was biblical obedience. Then we considered the three R's of childbearing. The character qualities God wants in you as his child. And the character qualities God wants you as a parent to inculcate into your children. A respect for authority, which is the fear of God. 
A restraint that leads to self-discipline and obedience. And then finally, a spirit that is responsible, an individual responsible for their actions. And these are the three R's of child rearing. And I would just say this, that was a very tough message. I mean, if you just took that message and said, oh, that's, that's how you raise children, you need to recognize that as parents, if all you do is rule without relationship, you will probably still lose your children. There must be two sides to that coin. Amen? Now, let me just say as an observer of generations, from my viewpoint in 62, the older generation, my generation, had the message last night down pretty solid. Y'all with me? Respect for authority, restraint that leads to obedience, and responsibility for action. Y'all, y'all with me? We had that one down. Oftentimes where we were weak were relationship. So what followed is the next generation comes along, the younger ones, and what you do is you have a tendency to overreact and go to the other ditch. And I want you parents today just talk to their kids instead of discipline. I want parents today try to reason with their children instead of just teaching them to obey because I said so. Y'all with me? And so I'm saying this to the young generation that's represented. Be careful in the lack of relationship that may have been there from your parents. You don't overreact and go completely to the other ditch. And then people say to me, well, yeah, but at least my ditch isn't their ditch. It's still a ditch. There's nothing spiritual about being in a ditch, a left ditch or a right ditch. You're supposed to be on the road, right? So I'm just giving you an observation. I'm not inferring anything here. I'm just saying I study people and trends in society. I see it. It's where it is. Even in my own children, there's some of that so tonight, let's look at the second side of the coin, the relationship side. Go back to Ephesians 6. Look with me in verse number 4. He says, And ye fathers, notice this, he says, Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Isn't it interesting tonight, as we start tonight, we're just going to exposit those that single verse there tonight. First of all, he says, ye fathers. Isn't it interesting? He comes to dads. He doesn't say ye mothers. He says ye fathers. That tells me the captain of the ship is dead. God recognizes that constituted authority, he holds the man responsible, number one, for the condition of his home. And yet today in the feminist movement, the woke mentality that's out in America today, and actually it's global, Dads are made to feel bad that they're a dad, that they're masculine, that they're leaders. But I could, could I say tonight, if you run the statistics, you will find that God endorses biblical leadership. And when a child is growing up without a father actively involved in his or her life, they're twice as likely to become a high school dropout or go to jail. A young person without dad in their life. Just a mom is three times as likely to experiment with drugs or premarital sex. And a child without a dad actively involved in his or her life is four times as likely to have emotional or behavioral problems. Recognize 
to your children that you represent God. You're a big deal. You know, you look at our society and you see it just tearing apart today. You know, you go to the hood, one in eight children in our urban section, I preach in urban sections, I preach in the black communities, one in eight children has a dad actively in his or her life along with mine. Boy, you see the fruit coming from that? It is a disaster. And so in a day of dead being and missing dads, in a day of, of putting down dads, God elevates and he comes back and says, Fathers, here's what I want you to do with your powerful influence. Notice he says this, and ye dads, look at it. He says, provoke not your children to wrath. What does that mean? Well, provoke means to stir up. To challenge. Colossians 3 says, provoke not your children to anger. You know, making them angry. And dads, how can you do that? Number one, I wrote them in your notes. You can provoke your child to wrath, first of all, through unfair treatment. Through unfair treatment. What do I mean by that? Two things. Number one, losing control. Abusing your authority. Slamming them around and slapping them. And moms, you can do this too. We call that pitching a fit. Y'all with me? Let me tell you something. We are trying to encourage our children to be in control. And when we as adults get out of control, when we demand they be in control, you will provoke your child to wrath. They will hate you. Let me tell you, I don't know what I'm saying, so I'm just going to say, every home has an elephant in the room. Y'all with me? You don't see the elephant in church, it's when it's in private. Maybe it's dad's temper. Maybe it's mom's nagging and lack of submission. You with me? I, I don't know what it is. But almost every home I've ever seen or know of, mine included, had an elephant in the room. You need to deal with the elephant. And if you don't, you'll provoke your children to wrath. They will hate you for the double standard. First of all, you provoke your wrath through unfair treatment. The idea is losing control and abusing your authority. Or unfair treatment, playing favorites. Y'all with me? You know, don't ever say as a parent, why can't you be like your brother? You want to know why they're not like your brother? Because they're not your brother. They're their own separate deal, amen? Don't compare them. Don't go ahead and pick a favorite. Could I say this? Some children are easier to raise than others. The ones just like you are the hardest. Amen? Isn't it interesting, our Heavenly Father, He operates in such a way that tens of thousands of if not millions of people that belong to him, children that belong to him, he works in such a way he makes every one of us as his child think we're daddy's favorite. Isn't that good? God wants you to do that too. Don't play favorites. Second of all, you broke your children to wrath not only through unfair treatment, but second of all, unkind words. I wrote that down. Uh, calling them names, telling them they're stupid. Could I ask a serious question tonight? 
Do children do things that are stupid? Yes or no? You, do, you say, yeah. They, if you agree with that, raise your hand. All right? Here's a better question. Did you do things that were stupid when you grew up? You know? <laughs> I was telling somebody our favorite pastime when I was a kid was to play chicken with the freight trains that would go past the farm. So you could stay on the, who could stay on the tracks the longest. Mom thought they were whistling at the crops. You know, the engineer was whistling at us so he wouldn't have to flatten the tires because dumb kids were standing in front of him. You know what my big dream was? To dig a foxhole between the railroad ties and get underneath those things when a freight train went over. Yeah, you know what? I'm underage so quickly, right there. Some of you are going, man, what's better with that? That sounds cool. No fist bump, you know. Oh, yeah. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Do children do things that are stupid? Yes. Call the action stupid. Don't call them stupid. Amen? Go and put the label on their actions. Unkind words. Learn to compliment, not just criticize. Amen? Learn to compliment, not just criticize. I remember one day my dad had one of his Navy buddies come by and visit. Dad was with a seaplane squadron on a Whidbey Island. He was a radio on, on the old Aaron Marlins and we used to watch movie reels and slideshows of Dad's Navy days. Man, it was cool stuff, you know. And one day, one of his Navy buddies came over to the farm. Spent the whole day, Dad toured him around. And we just little ducklings, you know. We couldn't have been but maybe 13, the oldest. And we just like followed him around. Ooh, he has Navy buddy. And Dad's pointing things out. And as he finished the grand tour of the farm, and I know it, it, it's not a big tractor brother to you, but this was a big tractor. He said, and there's the 4020, he said. That's the biggest tractor we got. And then he said, yes. He said, and my boys are running that thing. And he said, they're doing a good job. I don't know how to run this far without Well, Dad never told us that. But here I am listening to a third-party compliment to an another adult. You want to know how I walked through the rest of that day? Oh, man, you couldn't get my head through a door. Man, that was like, wow. Hey, number one, don't give too many compliments. You cheapen them. They mean nothing after a while. But learn to give honest words from time to time and compliment your kids to another adult for their hearing, I'll never forget that moment. That's a big deal. Amen? So don't just criticize. There's always things kids do wrong. They're kids. Learn to compliment also. Thirdly, you can provoke your children to wrath through unkept promises. First of all, to your spouse. Just because you're divorced doesn't mean you're a second-class citizen. I make that very clear. And if you could wave the magic wand, you somehow if you could do that, try to keep that thing together. But mom and dad, as tough as marriage gets, you try to grow together. Because when that promise gets broken, kids personalize it so, so First of all, the unkept promise to the spouse will provoke children to wrath and anger. But second of all, unkept promises to them. They trust your word, Dad. Mom, you represent the Lord. Keep your word, if at all possible. Amen? You go to the nth degree. 
to keep your word. And then fourthly, you can provoke your children to wrath through an inconsistent example. Do as I say, not as I do. The Hebrew word for charge is akarai. In other words, follow me, the Hebrews say. And you see it going in Gaza. All those officers that sit back, follow me. They don't say, go get them, boys. Follow me. Very high percentage of casualties in the officer corps in the IDF. I say to parents all the time, don't, don't bring your kids to church or, or don't send your kids to church. Bring them to church. Be there with them. Amen. Keep that going. And rather than stir them up, look at, go back to our text. Watch this. He says, any fathers provoke not your children to wrath. Rather than stir them up, notice the command. He says, but instead bring them up. What a difference. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It has the idea of leading. And what is nurture and admonition? Nurture is care and encouragement. Admonition is authoritative counsel and instruction. And you know what? It's going to take time to do this. Amen? It's just going to be an investment of time. I think many of you are where I am in what I'm sharing. But let's just tap this thought. The average time that a father spends one-on-one with his children every day with each child is less than five minutes a day in meaningful conversation. Y'all with me? Less than five. I'm not talking about being in the same house. I'm not talking about even, you know, sitting there watching some show again. I'm talking about meaningful one-on-one conversation. The electronics have gotten into homes today, and it's not the electronics' fault. It's dads and moms that don't limit that or even get rid of it. You know, we never had television when we raised our kids. We just had a, a this will date a DVD player, right, with a TV. And every other Friday was movie night. One Friday was discipleship night. We had two couples at our kitchen table. Discipleship on the day off Friday was movie night. Now I remember before the TV, we, we got film scripts from the library. You, you know, you can tell when kids don't see TV very often. You can go out to a Best Buy and they see them and they're like, oh, what are those? You, you ever notice that? But today, the phones and the electronics, and it's just like, ah. Dads, moms, you've got to work on this. Instead of going ahead and letting the electronics raise your children, you raise your children. Go ahead and with your influence, push them toward relationships. Horizontally to individuals in the home and then vertically to the Lord. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now I've got two questions tonight. This is to every parent that's here tonight. Particularly to parents, this can be applied to beyond that, but parents, here's the thing. Do you have your child's heart? That's my first question. All right? Do you have your child's heart? All right? Your parents here, do you have their heart? Mom, do you have her heart? You with me? Do you have their hearts? You with, you with me? You see where I'm going? Dad, you have their hearts. Or they're pretty young. You see, get their hearts when they're young. Maybe they're the teenage years. You say, well, why is that a big deal? I only have two questions tonight. That's the first one. Do you 
book of the Old Testament. Go there with me and look at this ministry of the Lord. Uh, the ministry of the precursor to Jesus Christ. And we know this is fulfilled by John the Baptist. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. We know John the Baptist fulfilled this. Jesus Christ himself said this 400 years later. But look at it as the Old Testament closes out. The forerunner of the Messiah is being noted here. Look at what his ministry is. Malachi 4 and verse number 5. Malachi 4, verse 5. Last book of the Old Testament. You go too far, you're in Matthew. Come on back. Malachi 4, verse 5. Look at what it said. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Look at his ministry in verse 6. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Wow. This was fulfilled in Luke chapter 1, by the way, verse 17, if you want to just jot that down. In the ministry of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, was noted as fulfilling this exact prophecy. And so I want to ask this again. Notice the forerunner of Christ to prepare the way of the Lord. He was to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the heart of the fathers to their children. So here's a legitimate question. Dads in particular, but dads and fathers combined. Do you have your child's heart? Do you have your teenager's heart? You ought to find it. You ought to get it. And you ought to keep it at all costs. Do you know a child's heart can be stolen from a parent? Sure. First of all, through wrong activities. Pornography will steal a man's heart from his father. He will want that more than a relationship with his dad. Drugs will steal someone's heart from their parents. Y'all with me? Rock music stole my heart from my parents when I was a teenager. All I cared about was my music. If dad would have smashed my music up, I would have literally gotten in a fistfight with him. It would have just made me so angry that he dare touch my music. Y'all with me? There are heart-stealing things out there, activities that will steal a child's heart. Dad, you need to be aware of that. If you think for one moment that Satan doesn't want to steal their heart, you are so sadly mistaken. Especially the first one. He tries to get that one above all others because you're the bell cow. Where you go, others follow. I watch this all the time. Do you have your child's heart? Where is it? What is it they live for? Is it the family? Is it you? You ought to find it. You ought to get it. You ought to keep it at all costs. Especially when they're teenagers. That's not the time to let them figure your life out. That's the time where they're going to make such major decisions that's going to impact them for the rest of their life. One of the biggest heart stealers are, are wrong associations. People that will steal a heart. I remember my, my daughters, and I mentioned that we have four daughters, very beautiful young ladies. We've got two young men as sons, so we've got six total. And all four of my daughters are just knockouts. They're just gorgeous. 
And I remember, you know, I'm coming into those teenage years. I'm the evangelist. I'm traveling around church to church to church to church. And oh man, it happened all the time. Some young man, day two, said, Mr. Summerford, could I take you out to lunch this week? Well, all that meant was, I like your daughter. Can we talk? So I let the little punk take me out. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let it by. I thought, because I was already going down the stick. You know, the two young kids are ridiculous or clueless. And uh, they'd be talking, and finally he plucked out the courage to ask me about so and so. So often it was this one daughter of mine. And you gotta understand, my oldest daughter had a list of like 15 to 20 things that a guy had to be before she could even consider me. My second daughter, Karen, was completely different. She had a very short list. One thing, he's breathing. All right, that, I had one of those. All right, that was my daughter number two. Where all the gray hair came from. <laughs> it was her. And usually that's who the guy asked about, because Karen was my lead singer. She's just my splash. You know, everybody, she just kind of sucks the oxygen out of the room when she walks in. As my brother Rob would say, tilt, just kind of tilts the room her way. And so, and, and so they would bring her name up usually, and they come back to the RV, and all the kids would turn, well, they had to visit. They already knew what was going on. I said, well, it's, mm. and they go, whoa. But what's nice about evangelism is every week, motorhomes full of chocks. It's wheels up, and we're down the road, and they're chasing me down the interstate. And, you know, every two years, so there's a great measure of control. But then they went to Bible college. Now, here's the thing. Got one teenage girl here, teenage girl here, right? Any other teenage daughters? Okay, let me tell you who the teenage girl's best friend. Brother, you got pulled by the gun. <laughs> All right, pull the plug on the shotgun and just load it with some extra. Yeah. But I would tell the teenage girls, your best friend in those teenage years will be dad. Dad's the one. My daughters would say, why, Dad? Why? Why are you so important? I said, well, first of all, I know how those creepy little creepy boys think. Because I was one. Second of all, you need to understand that when you all of a sudden get Twitter-gated with all those feelings, you may not see things clearly. But let me tell you something about who I am. I will never have Twitter-gated feelings. I'm going to look at that little punk with cold hard logic. You brush your teeth. You show me your Facebook friends. Show me who your best friends are. Give me your phone. Let me track what internet sites y'all on. Y'all with me? I will never have feelings for a boy, which is exactly what every young lady needs in a dad. Amen. We actually didn't believe in dating. We didn't do dating. We didn't court it. You can call it whatever you want. Dating is kind of an American thing. Two young people get alone together to have a good time. Ooh, that's not spiritual. You know, I go one guy, you know, Johnny asked his dad one night, can I borrow a pickup truck tomorrow night, Dad? Well, sure. What do you want the pickup truck built for? So I want to take Susie out on a date. Susie? You talking about 16-year-old blonde hair? Gorgeous, 
knock out beautiful Susie? Yeah, that's the one. And you want to go with Susie in a truck alone uh, by yourself tomorrow night? Yeah. Son, I wouldn't trust myself in that position. Why should I trust you? times my kids would just chuckle and here's here's these are 10 rules for dating my daughter all right some of you guys are going to want these all right here's a rule you do not touch my daughter you may glance at her so long as you do not hear anything below her neck if you cannot keep your eyes or hands off my daughter's body i will remove them that's a good rule Here's another rule. I'm aware that it is considered fashionable for boys of your age to wear their trousers so loosely they appear to be falling off their hips. I've always wanted to come down behind some of them punkers, man, and just finish it. They wouldn't catch me. You know what I'm saying? Just take off. He says, please don't take this as an insult that you and all your friends are complete idiots. Still, to be fair and open-minded about this issue, I will propose the following compromise. You can come in the door with your underwear showing, your pants size is ten times too big, and I will not object. However, in order to ensure your clothes do not, in fact, come off during your time with my daughter, I will take my electric nail gun and fasten your trousers securely in place of your waist. That's a good one. Hey, I mean, these kids give these rules. I read it to my daughters. Here's a good one. Do not lie to me. I may appear to be a pop-belly, balding, middle-aged, inward it has been, but on issues relating to my daughter, I'm the all-knowing God of your universe. <laughs> if I ask you where you're going with whom you have one chance to tell me the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, I have a shotgun, a shovel, and five acres behind the house. Do not come over with me. Now, this last one was the one my kids would say, because here's what we did. And I'm going to encourage those that have teenagers but also those of you that are raising kids will eventually be one. This, this was an open topic. You with me? When we would come into churches, there'd be times I would I would turn to my daughters and I'd say, see that young man over there? Yeah. That's a good young man. Look at how he's treating his mother. Look at how he's helping. You with me? I would be pointing that out. And, and young, young daughters say, well, why is that important how a young guy treats his mom? Because, sweetheart, you are next in life. However he treats his mom, that's how he's going to treat you. I don't care what he says. That's what he's going to do. And then we would flip the script. We go ahead and say, hey, see that young lady? Look at how, look at her respect for her parents. Look at her help with the other younger kids. That's a keeper son. That's a good start to consider. And why is that important? Because how she treats dad is how she'll treat you. Oh, yeah. So this would be an open thing. And then there'd be those kids. <laughs> there'd be this kid. Punk. Just bad attitude. Hates authority. Trousers halfway down. And I say, you see that? Yes, sir. Don't you ever dream of bringing something. And they go, I know that. Be afraid. Be very afraid. And they were referring to rule number 10. This is my favorite. Be afraid. Be very afraid. It takes very 
very little for me to mistake the sound of your car in my driveway for a chopper coming in over a rice paddy near Hanover. <laughs> when my agent orange starts to act up, the voices in my head frequently tell me to clean the guns as I wait for you to bring my daughter home. As soon as you pull into the driveway, you should exit your car with both hands in plain sight, speak the perimeter password, announce in a clear voice you brought my daughter home early and safe, and then return to your car. There's no need to look for me. The camouflage face in the window is mine. <laughs> you know, we chuckle about this. And I would chuckle, and my kids would laugh, and then one day, it had to become reality. Daughter number two, would break off a relationship I was not for. It was in Bible college. It was in Pensacola. At one rule when they first started, you will not see one single, you will not go on one single day, nothing. No fine arts, nothing for the first year. You're here to learn nursing, nothing. She had been in college for two and a half months, brother, ten weeks. I pull out to the water tower with my motorhome and some of her family of entrance and ministries, tent ministry we had. And as I pull up the water up the motorhome, a little guy in his golf cart pulls up and he goes, Oh, you're Mr. Sommerdorf. I know your daughter, Karen. And I've met her boyfriend, too. Wow. Campus, what, 4,000 students? And 10 minutes, God catches them. And thus began a war. We were 50% right with our kids. We, I didn't want to go 100%. I wanted to measure and control. But I didn't want them to pay the whole freight. So we, whatever dollar they put in, we managed to get For the next few months, it was war. She wouldn't yield. And finally, I made the phone call. And I said this. Now, dads, with kids, teenagers, you probably are there. I'm just going to give you this stuff. This is good. I called her and I said, you're done. I'm pulling my money and I'm jerking you out of college. You haven't obeyed me. And the money I pulled from you, I'm not just going to stuff away. I'm going to use it against you. I'm buying you a plane ticket and I'm shipping you to China to work with mission, missionary friends. Dead troops you knew I was serious. And I went to war. I said, you have 24 hours to come clean. Break it off. Whole family was with me, had peace to do this. This was the right move. She called me the next morning and said, Dad, I knew. She shipped me every letter they'd ever written. She wrote an apology letter. She came clean. A month later, we were on Pensacola campus. We parked by the clock tower. She didn't know we were there. And as the bell rang, I stood there just waiting for my girl. She came. I saw her in the crowd when she did the girls' door. She was walking along, and all of a sudden she saw me. And she just dropped her bags and ran like the wind, hugging me, kissing me, loving on me. She said, Dad, thanks. You made it too hard to do wrong. She's got a gentle guy now, three lovely children. We call it Matt Daniels or Jeff. And there'll be times where at their house in Florida, and she's whipping up a meal, and the kids are playing. And Karen, my wife, Deb, will go over and say, and Matt will be playing.
way where they said she got a good man. She'll just stop crying. Yeah. They are so worth fighting for. Y'all with me? And here's the thing. There'll be heart stealers all the time. And one day, Dad, you, you guys with daughters, you're going to hate this, but you're going to walk that one down the aisle and you're going to give her heart away. That's allowed. Just don't let somebody steal it. Amen? You fight for it. It's worth it. It's so worth it. So I asked the question again, do you have your child's heart? You ought to find it. You ought to get it. You ought to keep it at all costs. Don't allow it to be stolen. And never forget this. They're not interested in your money. They want you. They want you. Number two, here's the second question. As we wind these thoughts down, do you promote, mom and dad, do you promote a godly family heritage? Do you promote a godly family heritage? Go back to Ephesians and notice, it's very interesting here. In Ephesians 6 verse 4, he says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, Ephesians 6 4. But notice, bring them up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. Do you promote a godly family heritage? That happens two ways. Number one, it comes through a strong family identity. This is a big deal. You don't hear people teach this anymore. Your family heritage comes, number one, through a strong family identity. What does that mean? I would ask Dad this question. Why do we do things this way? Why do we do things that way? You know what he'd say? Because that's what summer doors do. And with that statement, he was teaching me there is an identity that comes with your name. There's a heritage that comes with that name. You put your name in there. Y'all with me? You know, I'm watching today, even in Christian families, there's a stronger identity for the child with a public school and every activity that's going on there than with their home. The strongest identity is the public school, not their home. That's wrong. Your strongest identity should be your family, should be your home. My dad had a little saying up there in the kitchen. It said, by birth alone, the name descends. Your honor on yourself depends. Means the name meant something, you live up to it. You should have, in that identity, you should have traditions you do as a family. Do any of you do annual vacations as a family? Slip your hand up. Every year, this is vacations. That's a big, strong family identity. Ours was a three day vacation to South Dakota every year. We lived for that moment. Do any of you, do any of you have old videos of the family, old pictures? You ever have just a family night where you're just showing? Go back in time and show, hey, remember when you were a little kid and show pictures? I mean, we had eight millimeter films. They were silent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or slideshows. We love those. The identity night. This is a summer door. Man, I remember. And it just brought us together. We had those traditions. You think about your family night. Your last name means something. There's an identity with that. And weave that into the heart of your children and your children into that name. Amen? And you don't need money to do this. You just need imagination. I'll give you one. When we were out the road in our motorhome, 23 years ago, we set out, my wife and I, and six children, into a 30-foot gas motorhome with no slides. 
We call that submarine warfare. Then it was submarine. We had a rule that if you wanted to blow some steam off, you had to just walk around the motorhome. Just walk around the motorhome, you know, until you finally simmered down. I remember one day came, the motorhome was just flying. What's going on? The whole family was walking around the motorhome. I wonder who the problem was, the skipper. Yeah. <laughs> but we found, we did this little worksheet on a family, we found we were prone to an unkind word. Any smiles? Is your family prone to an unkind word? Shocker, you know, eight of us journey in a motorhome. So we said, well, what are we going to do to fix that? Richard, you'll love this. We had what we called a kindness game. A kindness game. And how it worked was if you said something unkind to somebody, you owed a dollar to the kindness game. And if you argued about it, you doubled it. And if you argued about that, you doubled it again. And being we were leadership, Devin and I, we were five bucks. All right? And we put that in. And then at the end of the month, we go to Golden Corral, one of the Buffets, and we go, you know, whoever was unkind made the freight, you know. And so we had this kindness kit. We put that thing in, and the first 48 hours, we had $42 in the kindness kit. I took a tenner out. I took a tenner one, the first, second day I just took a ten dollar bill out and said, I am ticked. And I'm just going to say a couple of really unkind things, so I'm just throwing ten bucks in in advance. You know, ten of that 42 was Let's just talk about that stupid kindness kitty to this day. But it made them think before they spoke. Amen? That's become a family tradition. Family heritage, family identity. Do you promote a godly family heritage through a strong family identity? You know, as Christians, we should have stones of remembrance and family traditions. Notice to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What would that look like? Devotional night. Amen. How about camps? And who's ever had teenagers go to a camp? Now, I understand different varying attitudes, but anyhow, camps. I'm going to be preaching a family camp in two years, and I'm bringing a bunch of the grands up. With Grandma Grandpa and Richard Family Camp with some of our grandchildren. Devotional time, family camp. Hey, how about um, faithful church attendance? That's a good tradition for a family. Amen? And it's still a good answer. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? Because that's what summer durfs do. You know how your Heavenly Father, before we wind the thoughts down tonight, you know how your Heavenly Father says this? We get saved and say, well, why should I be baptized? Why should I attend church and join a church? Why should I tithe and give an offering and give commissions? You know what our Heavenly Father says? Because that's what my children do. That's what Christians do. Our Heavenly Father has a very strong family identity. Amen? Very strong. So our family heritage, our godly heritage, is first of all, comes about by a strong family identity. But second of all, it comes about through a strong family unity. Keep your family close. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, keep your marriage close. 
My kids would always just Deb and I would go ahead and hug each other, you know, and there's not a lot of privacy in a motor home, but we hug each other and I love you. And you know, they go, but they they liked it. There's something about watching. I remember the time Deb and I got tippy at each other publicly. And one of my daughters, a little stronger, she just it freaked her out. Just freaked her out. I'll never forget that. She was just her foundation was so high. Y'all with me? You gonna have an argument? You gonna do it in private? Go ahead and get to see that. Okay. Oh yeah. It's a foundation that if that isn't real, what else is real? You know. Keep your family close. Keep your marriage close. Don't worry about a small house. It's a blessing in disguise. Take it from the guy who lives in a motorhome, all right? You're close automatically. I wrote work together, play together, eat together, pray together. These are all the things you're looking for as we look at this closeout in this conference. Get your family together and make that the centerpiece of your life. And make sure Jesus Christ is the very center of that. Don't allow anything to fragment the home. Look at 3 John 4. 3 John 4. Look at the closeout here. and This is what you're looking for. I was talking to a guy about a week ago. and this is, Or a young lady about a week ago. And this is what she said. Her kids are, one's a medical doctor. She has two boys. One's a medical doctor. And the other one is a lawyer. Both uh, very well off, well to do, and I said, and I sometimes I don't like to ask the question, but I just felt compelled. Are they serving the Lord, sister? And she says, Oh yes, they're chasing God. And then she quoted this verse to me, and it's a verse I love. For 23 years, I've shared this in Third John. Look at what's said in verse number four. In Third John four, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Isn't that good? You know, as we, we begin to wind the thoughts down tonight, let me just ask you to look up here real quickly. You know, you and I, we're pretty insignificant people. Brother Dwayne, there's farmers that run a whole bunch more acres than you do. Amen. There's preachers that preach way better than I do. Got bigger ministries. Preacher, bigger ministries. I've never seen you in the sword of the Lord. Not that I really look for anybody in there. You know, but there's men that are wealthier than me in all kinds of categories. But I know this. If you could be a multi-multi-millionaire, but as you close, rest your head on the pillow and prepare to pass over into eternity, and you look at your downline, and none of them are serving the Lord, I don't care how wealthy you are, you're going to die a pauper. You're going to die feeling like you got nothing. I know. But on the other hand, you may not have a lot of money. You may not have a big ministry. You may not really be known. But you'll get you down line in there. Kids are showing the Lord. You're going to feel like a millionaire. And let me just say this. If you have children that are wayward, I identify with you. I have one. So there's no way I'm just reading my I don't know who's who, who's got what. I know a little bit, but not everybody. But I guess what I'm saying 
child, don't you stop serving the Lord. You will seal their commission. You pray and serve and stay faithful to the Lord. And trust God swings on his way. You know, as we look at a conference like this, there's so many ways somebody can go. There's so many things we've covered. But I want to just mention one more thing, and it'll be for our young people, the teenagers that are here. Appreciate the home you have. Be grateful for it with all this loss. And every home is flawed. There's no perfect home. Some may be a little more flawed than others, but appreciate it. Because here's the thing. Life for you right now is very simple. It's very simple. I never forget on my honeymoon, I took my wife to Whidbey Island when we got married, and I met my dad and mom and my kid brother in Ocean Shores, Washington. My uncle had a cabin, a beach cabin there, and that's where we honeymooned the first few days of our Dad was there, mom was there. I'm 23, dad's 19. We had a blast. And then dad, dad, mom, and my kid brother, they all say goodbye and they get in the car. And I'm sitting on the deck with my new bride, watching that car drive away. And I cannot begin to describe to you, to you the feeling that nailed me. I wasn't expecting it. I'm expecting, hey, you know, they're mostly authority, and I'm the boss now. And it was, I wanted him back. I wanted him back. Because suddenly I felt the crush of leadership. I had not had to pay the bills. I had to figure out how to make this thing work. I had to deal with all the things that were going to come in life. And it was so simple when Dad ran the ship. All I had to do was say yes, sir. Young people, you will get a ship in your own one day. And when you do, you will flicker back to Yet you and your grace and mercy make up such a difference. And so, Lord, I pause to ask tonight your blessing on every home that's represented here. On the dads, on the moms, on the grandfathers, on the grandmothers, on the teenagers, on the young people. And, Lord, even some of our singles here tonight. I pray you'd bless them. 
Father, may their heart desire you more than anyone else as Heavenly Father. Lord, may they desire that relationship. May they give you their heart above anybody else. May their heart belong to you. And then, Lord, I pray you take that and just bring it through the families and every life that's impacted by them. Lord, bless our homes tonight. May we give those homes to you. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed for just a moment. Sis, just play that. Where are the
all of God's people said? Take your booklets, and I want to close with this. I want to give you a homework assignment. And if you didn't hear anything I said, but you're willing to do this, your home is going to get a lot of help. Go all the way back to page, page number 12. Go to page 12 in your booklet, and this, this between now and, and maybe Sunday, Maybe tomorrow you could do this as a family, gather your family together, and do page 12 and 13 as the family checkup. What does it say? It says examine yourselves. A, three things I like about our family. Amen? Begin with the positives. I learned that a long time ago. All right? Teenagers, write down three things you like about your family. Mom, write down three things you like. Dad, three things. Y'all with me? Start there. Three things I like. B. Something that needs to be addressed or changed in our family. Write it down. Amen. This is all young people. You're in on this deal. Mom and dad, dad, just get everybody together. Say, let's fill this out. Let's get the feedback. C. Here's a compliment or concern I'd like to express to my and then you serve spouse, dad, mom, child, sibling, whatever. D, here's a good one. I wish we would do the following together. Look at some of those that I've listed. You see it? Eat our meals together. Wow. Men profile. Most homes are hotels. They're not even homes. Everybody's just passing through. Have a family altar. Work on a project. Plan a family night each week. Do something for someone in need. Look at this. This is a great list. And church faithfully. Sing a special in church. Do any, do any families just say, well, our family's going to sing a special. Anybody? 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 You see, we don't sing. Why? God likes to the Lord. Amen? Do a family special together. Amen? Um, do an open house for neighbors. Hospitality. Go on visitation when the church reaches out. Look at the next page. My attitude, check those that apply. Honors God, dishonors God, means adjusting is getting better. All right? And then I can do a better job at, check those that apply. I love the first one. Husbands can do this one. Keeping my room clean. All right? Keeping my room clean. Getting along with other family members. Offering to help others. Not making excuses. See the list? That's amazing. Uh, uh, praying and reading my Bible daily. Da, 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 da. And then my plan for improvement is. As a family, dads, lead in this area. Get together and fill it out. Now roll back one page. Go back to page 10. Home Builders Worksheet. This is good. After you do the checkup, I have these out of order, obviously. Do the Home Builders Worksheet. Look at what's said here. Choose only two items, no more, for each category that with the Lord's help, you'd be willing to implement into your life and home throughout this next year. And a reminder, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Okay, wives, look at the list. You get to pick two out of the five. Pray for your husband daily. That's one choice. Give your husband a genuine compliment daily. There's another option. Maintain a personal daily devotion. Set aside one day each week and strive to demonstrate your submission towards your husband throughout the entire day. I mean, try to go 100% that day. Five, find another Christian woman who models and fulfills her role towards her husband.
husband and spend at least one day each month together with her, just watching her. Or I can cover just a moment. Two choices out of five. Why? All five of those are good, aren't they? Right? Would you agree those are all five good? And I'm not going to ask, but maybe somebody says, man, I want to circle all five. Don't. Don't. Just pick two. Okay? Why? So many times. Why? Besides the preacher. Why would you only pick two when all five are good? What's that? They'll overwhelm you. It's like a New Year's resolution. You're going to change everything. You lose 40 pounds in three weeks. How'd that go? It doesn't. You with me? How do you turn a big ship? You dial in just a few degree heading changes and keep going. And that ship, given time, will slowly turn. And given time, if you hold that degree change, it's going a different direction completely. Dial in two, no more. And after one year, go at another one. Does that make sense? That's how you turn ships. Here's the thing. The definition of insanity. You say, well, I don't like how our home is. Our home's got some problems. Listen, the definition of sanity, insanity is doing everything the way you've always done it, only this time, Shazam, you want different results. If you want something different, you have to change things. Amen? Husbands, you've got six choices. Children, there's five choices. And then dad and mom, you have a second category, point D. And notice how I ended. The person I will be personally accountable to throughout this next year concerning these goals will be, and write somebody's name down that with their permission, they can check with you anytime and say, how do you do it? Amen? How's it going? I have a pastor whose son, and he had a code. And the code is this. It's the only pornography. You fight the good fight, they text each other. You fight the good fight? Yep, Dad, fight the good fight. How are you? Yep, fight the good fight. That means we're not messing with each other. Y'all with me? They're accountable to each other as a father and a son. Accountability is good. Amen? And I learned a long time ago, feedback is the breakfast of champions. Go ahead and get people feedback, becoming accountable to, fill it out. If you'll do that, if you'll do those two worksheets, you'll be shocked at some things that will change. And Amen? All right? Let's go ahead and stand. Yes, sir. I just want to say... I wish we had longer. You're a sweet, you're a sweet. The only thing I want to say is uh, I, I know three of my grandkids I have for heart. Two of my kids I have for heart. And uh, father uh, makes a lot of mistakes. Grandfather makes a lot of mistakes. And a husband makes a lot of and the wife makes all the mistakes, right? No, no I am not teasing No, that wasn't in there, was it? <laughs> Thank you much. Let me just say this. We, we need to recognize, too, it's not that we don't know the truth. You know, these are these are kind of obscure. We kind of pull a huddle and we all say, okay, let's get our mind back in the game. What does God say? How do you run the play? The biggest thing is obedience. And that comes when your heart goes to the Lord. Amen? You're struggling in areas, family struggles.
struggling in the area, and we got so much, oh, I'd love to maybe go longer, but you know what? Boy, we still have a lot of work ahead of us. Hey, I've said what needs to be said. Now go be a doer of the word. Amen? Go put this thing into place. And I God bless you. Amen? Let's stand. Pastor, you come, dismiss us in prayer as you see fit. And uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed the time with all of you. It's been a blessing. And I'm going to pray God blesses your homes. You pray for my home, too. It's not perfect. And uh, just pray that God will bless our homes.